0: Come and see. They came and saw where he was staying, and they remained with him that day. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated anointed. He brought Simon to Jesus, who looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You are to be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ.
1: So, how are we doing with this one, Aiden? Check one. Let's check one. One, two. As if it doesn't. Okay, there we go. <laughs> The microphone gremlins are going. Okay. But we are on top of it. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. How are you doing with the come and see stuff? Twice you heard it today. Jesus says it once. And then other disciples say it to other would-be disciples. That's where we start. Jesus gathers us together with an invitation to come and see. But how do we do that? How do we today, since Jesus isn't walking around with us at the Sea of Galilee anymore, how do we come and see? I think this is a challenge for us today because I think our coming and our seeing is really filled up with lots of stuff today. I mean, we've got at least 500 channels. We've got Netflix and Hulu and PBS and this and that, and I can't even think of all of them, BritBox, etc. I love to watch a lot of those shows too, but it's not just that, it's our phones and our computers We have our time really filled up in our current cultural situation. And yet Jesus says, come and see. How are we doing with that? How do we do that? Well, it's right there in our text. A favorite word of the evangelist John shows up a lot, and it's translated as, where are you staying or, you know, you, the one upon whom you see the Spirit stay, remain. It's all the same Greek word, it's meno, and it's a favorite word of the Gospel of John. Jesus tells that great parable of the vine and the branches. You must abide, meno, in me. How do we abide? How do we remain? How do we stay with Jesus? How do we come and see? Well, let me just remind you of what we believe In particular, in our own Lutheran confessions, what we believe is that where you find, how you come and see is to be right where you are right now. Yes, in a worship service where God's word is proclaimed, read publicly and preached publicly, but in a place where God's word is sung. I mean, our liturgy is sung scripture. Our hymns are preaching to you. Fill your ears, come and see. That's a way that you remain with Jesus, but it's not the only way. Wherever two or more are what? Gathered, I am. There you go. So how do you come and see Jesus? You hang out with his people. You know, those frail and fragile and, and uh, broken fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, warts and all. You hang out with them. And even when your toes get stepped on, you forgive them as you've been forgiven. That's the way you abide, the way you come and see, is hang out with his people. And then there's this supper that we have every Sunday where Jesus gives us a promise. This is my body. This is my blood of the new covenant. How do you hang out? How do you remain with Jesus? Well, you make sure you get here and have this meal often. And in it, where you have the forgiveness of sins, if you haven't been baptized, you seek that because there is a promise of giving of the Holy Spirit for us. So word and sacrament, being with his people, praying, reading the Bible that you have that often sits um, unread, And the biggest challenge I think people have with that is they think they should understand it all. And so if they don't, they put it back because they feel whatever they feel. Maybe they feel frustrated. Maybe they feel like they don't know enough, etc. But the more you read it, the more you're in it, the more the Holy Spirit works. Those are a few of the ways. And then I think Jesus said something about, inasmuch you've done it to the what? Least of these you've done it to me. So Maybe those opportunities for service and care, that's the way you menow you come and see. It probably goes without saying then, doesn't it, that if we do have an enemy, which after 30, almost five years of parish ministry, I believe we do. I mean, I've seen just when things get going, I see the monkey wrenches thrown in. At every turn, at every corner, if we do have an enemy, what do you think that enemy's big goal is to do? Fill your ears up and your eyes up with other stuff so you don't come and see. Because our enemy knows what happens when you come and see. You start following like those disciples did first 2,000 years ago. And so Jesus asks us as we come and see a question today. He says, if you notice there in your text, what are you looking for? That's another existential great question. What are you looking for in this life? And it turns out what the text really is telling us today is it's not what, but who. Who are you looking for? And what we are told amongst, we get all kinds of titles now. It's the, one of the first readings in the season of Epiphany, the season where we get, aha, like, oh my goodness, wow. Um, we get all kinds of titles in the beginning of the Gospel of John. Son of God, that's that promise to David that there would be a king forever. And who is God? Who is Jesus? He is the Son of God. He's also called the Messiah, the Savior. He's called, if you went a little further than what we did today in our reading, he's called the Son of Man. That you'll see the angels ascending and descending on the Son of Man, which is a connection back to Jacob's ladder in that dream where it was a theophany where God encountered him. And so now Jesus says that you're going to see the Son of Man the angels ascending and descending on the Son of Man. He's talking about himself, and that's the Messiah, God. So we get all these incredible titles for Jesus, Rabbi, lots more, but there's one that jumps out in our reading today. Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And the Lamb is calling right there. So the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world let's just unpack that just a little bit as we come and see and we're told what asked what are you looking for and we realize really the key is who are we looking for well we're told Jesus is the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now let me tell you, if you read commentaries and Bible dictionaries, there's a lot, there's a lot of new, not so much old in the older ones, but the newer ones like, we're not sure we know what this is all about, what this means. And I scratch my head that they're not sure about that. (laughs) In fact, some of my own colleagues in my own denomination kind of shy away from this term because they don't like the vicarious, atoning sacrifice of Jesus, Him shedding His blood for us. In fact, oftentimes I hear the same thing there as I hear from outside the church that this seems like divine child abuse, that God would give God's Son to shed His blood for us. If you're not out there reading the secular stuff in the world, that's fine. Come and see Jesus. You don't have to do it. But let me tell you, that's out there. What does this mean? Well, just real quick, without spending, you know, a half hour on this, um, the the lamb was, of course, the Passover lamb. And that blood kept away the angel of death. That's powerful because people believed the life was in the blood. And so this concept of sacrifice is really important in the Old Testament. It's strange to our modern ears and and also even offensive because we don't want to be in such bad shape that we need a sacrifice for our sin, do we? I mean, we'd much rather it be, you know, just give me some new rules, Jesus, and I'll do a little better, and and I can go home and say, yeah, we did it. But no, John the Baptist says, this is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So now we get this Passover that gets rid of death, but we've also got this concept, and even though the Lamb wasn't most often a sin sacrifice, it was in some cases, we see that the way it delivers us from death is by the shedding of Christ's blood forgives our sins. And you have forgiveness of sin, death loses its sting. It passes over. Oh yes, it will come, but it will not be the end to you and to me. Boy, now that is the good news. Peter says it this way um, in his letter. You know that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your ancestors, not with perishable things like silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ like that of a lamb without defect or blemish. Luther, picking up on that, you remember your small catechism, right? says, I believe Jesus Christ has redeemed me, a lost and condemned creature, delivered me and freed me from all sins and from death and from the power of the devil, not with silver and gold, but with his holy and precious blood and with his innocent suffering and death. Who is Jesus? He's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world takes away yours and mine. And that word for take away sin is really interesting and important. It means, it's, iro is the way it sounds, but it, take away, remove, take up and carry away. We as human beings, we, uh, we get our sins forgiven, but we don't forget about them. But God forgets about them. He takes them away, gets rid of them. Have you, have you ever had a friend, that kind of friend, that even though maybe they said they forgive you, love to bring up those things in the past? You know, when you did that, hopefully that's not your spouse. <laughs> you know, but you know, that, that, you know. And even though it's there, it's always defining the relationship. That's not the kind of friend Jesus is. He's the Lamb of God that takes away your sin. You know, you meet Jesus and and you start talking about, man, Jesus, I'm sorry, and he's just going to look at you like a cow stares at a new gate. What are you talking about? I have no idea what you're talking about, huh? You did what? Because you see, he's forgiven it, so you better not bring it up because he doesn't even know what you're talking about. That's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So Jesus first says, come and see, and what do we see? The Lamb of God. I mean, I really could have just done this as a sermon, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, and yours, and sat down. (laughs) So come and see that. But then, you know, the disciples do. They say, they went to others and said, come and see. So, So how are you doing on your come and seeing Jesus, and now how are you doing inviting others to come and see what you've seen and what you've heard. I'd like to give you a concrete life goal from this sermon today. I want you this week to call one person that you haven't seen, that you've seen before, that you know is here, and I almost would bet a lot that not, there isn't one person here who doesn't have somebody they could call and say, You know, I haven't seen you in forever and they might say well i'm still afraid of covid and you say i understand i hope you're still watching online Um, and you would tell them how much you care about them and how much you miss them i don't know what what their reason is i'm told from a lot of people they're just out of the habit so man maybe and you know you might say well how come pastor bill doesn't call him well we have 900 members why doesn't the leadership call them? Well, they did. They spent a l- tons of time last fall calling everybody that hadn't come back, or at least they tried. And, of course, you get answering machines. So, hey, write them a note. That's your concrete goal. I'm giving it to you. I'm laying it down. And if you can't think of someone that you don't, hadn't seen in a while here, maybe there's somebody that's never been here. You know, it takes somebody seven times to be invited before they respond. Did you know that? Lutherans think one time is good. (laughs) Give it a try because look what you've got to see, huh? Look what you've got to see. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Amen.